Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode two of, I guess this is an emergency season of sorts of overlooked and undercooked because very important materials has been released from rob schneider that myself tim bat and my esteemed colleague guy montgomery must examine once a day for seven days it is his new comedy special at a runtime of mm, arguably 39 minutes what is it called again mexican mama asian kids have you not listened to anything this man has been saying Asian mama, Mexican kids. But I think the subtext and the subtitle is I'm awesome and all women are crazy. Yeah. Guy, I I don't know what I have to give to you today. We were talking on the chat. Um, the way that we're doing this is we're doing little watch parties, so we watch simultaneously. And uh, we chat to each other online as we're watching in real time. And I'm, I don't, I, I don't like to be so negative. I don't like to be so critical about someone's work. I guess in a way, but this special and the prospect of watching it like once at all and then more than once has just fucked me up. Yeah, man, you've got a real scary energy. Uh, less so when we're actually on, you know, the record. But all of my communique with you around facilitating this, um, you're openly and I would say possibly understandably hostile towards me. If I have to put something off by five minutes, I do so with great trepidation. I am, I uh, feel like I'm somewhat on eggshells around you. What what I said to you in the chat was that um, I'm very angry at you, and I know that that's not fair to you, but I also know that that's probably not going to change. Yeah, and I that's okay. Like, do you think is there anything to be gleaned or gained from this exercise? Is it making you think about comedy, your own comedy, jokes, society well, at large? Yeah. I just shook my head <laughs> the entire time you were saying that. and But now I've actually, I think I do have something. The big takeaway f- for this special for me is just 
and we've kind of like we talked about this i think on the chat yesterday but the importance of confidence on stage just Mm, mm. how much that can carry just getting out there with a swagger and pretending like what you have to say is good and funny and a joke even when it isn't it is very it's like magic to a crowd you just trick them wholesale it's like hypnotism you just go out there and you're like, I'm going to say a bunch of stuff with the cadence of jokes that are really like good. And, uh, and you guys are going to laugh. Yeah. And it's this bizarre contract that you have with the audience where they're sitting there. It's very weird being an audience in a comedy show. It's quite a like, it's a big job. And I think that doesn't get talked about enough. It's actually quite a big role to be well, an audience member. Yeah, in a but I'd say show. the bigger the audience, the smaller each independent audience member's job is. Like if you're in an audience yeah, of totally. 10. You are sharing a tremendous workload, but if you're in an audience of 500, you've got yeah. a low a low level of commitment. Very true, but it's different to seeing a movie, for example, where you do not have to uh, sort of output any of your energy responding to the thing that is being shown to you at all. You just kind of quietly absorb it all. Um, or even like a band, because... Like a band does, they want a reaction from you, obviously, but I think music's a lot easier to get on board with, which might be why Rob crams so much into a special. Um, But like the band kind of has something to do where even if they sort of quote unquote bomb and that the audience don't get on board, they can still kind of deliver the same show, but that doesn't really happen with with comedy no well because the, it's, it's just there's a there's a agreed upon desired outcome like everyone is entering this contract and they understand that there's one very clear purpose and uh yeah like there's no that, that i think in in music people can go to a concert for different reasons musically but if an audience of people at a comedy show are largely there to laugh and I, I think I remember uh, this is more unique to New Zealand. But while we're talking about the the idea of it, like it, this doesn't really happen in America. In America, I feel like they're excited that you're on stage, and they believe that there's a reason you're on stage. Like American exceptionalism makes them very confident audiences. They believe in the process. They believe in the performer until proven otherwise. Whereas in New Zealand, there is immediate doubt at anyone who would be arrogant enough is sort of the collective read to think that their ideas are funny enough to share and say aloud into a microphone even though the same people who are carrying this energy have paid for tickets to watch the show in america it's like here you are god i hope you're funny and in new zealand it's like yeah here you are you better be fucking funny (laughs) and like i I was just gonna say i saw a similar observation on twitter and i I am kicking myself that i can't remember who made it but the difference between male and female audiences i don't know if rose it was rose retweeted this was it she no did she she make that observation she made the observation we did a show on our tour in uh rotrua and it was um fucking fire and it would have been like 70 percent women who were or more or less all there to see rose and i was just a a a very happy benefactor um yeah but then she was talking about it to me in the car afterwards. And like, she, there's, this, there's this alchemy. The turning point seems to be 51% non-men. Yeah. Um, but I, I just remember... In- but hold on, say the observation, because the observation was the key thing, is that 
men go to a comedy show with an attitude of what you said, like, you better be fucking funny, and women go to a comedy show to have a good time. Mm. And I'm I'm mangling the wording a bit. She put it more precisely. But, like, that kind of, that, it's so fucking true. Women are, very broadly speaking, obviously, but as a comedian, like, women are there to have a good time and enjoy the night. And so often, dudes in the crowd are there to be convinced. They're well, they're, they're they're threatened, um, yeah, yeah. And but like so in New Zealand, just further to the point, I was saying is I remember Tom Furness said this to me. Who's a very funny. He used to do stand up comedy. He's a director and a writer now. Um, but I think he's still got a clip. If you look him up, Tom Furness on YouTube. He was like when I started comedy in New Zealand. He was my favorite New Zealand comedian. But he was yeah. like in New. Ze- he was saying how funny he finds it in New Zealand where. You know, comedy is a job where you are getting up there with the express purpose or desire to spread joy or laughter. And um, if you do it, people are like somewhat surprised perhaps in New Zealand, but also grateful. But in New Zealand, if you do it and you get it wrong, the response isn't like, oh, well, that's a shame it didn't work out. It's like, hey, you know what? Fuck you. I hate you. I hate you for trying and failing to entertain me. It's just it's so insane. And I suppose to an extent, you know, we are carrying some of this energy towards the great Rob Schneider. Hey, very good point and way to pivot back to the subject matter. I think you could be right. Maybe like we are going in, into this with all the wrong attitude and that is um, too much colouring our experience I, of the special. Uh, I don't know that. Oh, I mean, I say that, and it is definitely true, but it's a different sort of disappointment. Like, here is a multimillionaire, internationally formally recognized superstar who is. <laughs> formally recognized as such a funny. Um, formally successful comedian, Rob Schneider. Yeah. Who, it's you know just what the funniest version of that is in that adult swim one about Boom Shakalaka, former father. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boom um oh god that is so funny i i can't remember what i was gonna say just that oh, i it just it's so it's it's frustrating that he's he's bad to the point of being like offensive he's lazy to put like all of his observations are from when he lasted comedy which is in the 90s and it's different from seeing you know famous people decide once they're famous they'll that's when they'll try stand-up comedy without having had any miles on the clock like i believe a stand-up comedian it, the point at which they sort of cross over to becoming capable of selling out arena no matter what they're saying whatever the like if you haven't if you haven't got enough miles on the clock as a comedian to that point you're sort of trapped at whatever development level you're at when you become that famous because yeah it's impossible not to like it's impossible not to be beloved because everyone's buying tickets to see you not the comedy show but to see you and so and even even when you um do like drop-in spots um, at like small clubs, still the people who are going to comedy shows, if you've kind of reached that level, know who you are anyway. Yeah, but so I you can't even do it that way. I would argue, yeah, I would argue that's different though. Like that is a genuine. People don't bother to do that because that's a genuine litmus test of material. Like it's the people who want to work do, but famous and lazy people don't because you'll get given thirty free seconds at the top where they go, "I recognize this person. This person's famous," and then eventually, like if yep. they're not paying to see you, if they're paying to see a lineup show or a different experience, and you drop yep. in you're held to the same standard as other comedians. Whereas if it's just your show, everyone's just excited you're in the fucking room. And I, I think what happens is- I wouldn't say that you get treated to the same to the same stand. Like, if you're super famous and you go in and bomb, 
um, on a lineup where you're not announced. I still reckon there's so much love in the room for you for being well known. I, I, it, beyond that 30 seconds, I reckon. I admit that you're still going to do the work at some point in the set, but I think like when you get to Rob Schneider's level of fame, if he did a, I don't know, like even Rob, like, I would admit, my heart, I saw him, <laughs> my heart would sink. <laughs> <laughs> What would it be like if you were in a comedy show guy and, and it was totally unannounced I, and Rob Schneider just dropped in? Am I watching or performing? Fuck, that's a good question. Uh, well, audience member first. Um, I, would, I, would be, I, I would be tessellated. I would be curious. And then I think maybe I was articulating my own experience before, but then within however long it takes for him to l- launch into a joke, I would immediately, I imagine, based on the evidence of watching a special twice, I would be very underwhelmed and frustrated. As a performer, I would be probably fearful that he's listened to some of our podcasts. (laughs) Um, My question to you, Tim, is you're producing a comedy show in New Zealand, and for whatever reason, someone reaches out on behalf of Rob Schneider and says, Hey, Tim, Rob's in town. Any chance he can jump up and do a quick 10 minutes on your show tonight? What do you say? Absolutely. 100% yes. Yeah. What, what, why? Because the audience would get a fucking massive kick out of seeing that. I disagree. Who is Rob Schneider's audience? Even so, being in New Zealand, if we hear anyone with an American accent on a stage, we've got so much love for it. Can you imagine the fucking star of the hot chick and the animal and Deuce Bigelow's dude, one and two dude, jumping up and doing do a you know, set? Like people would lose their minds. No, do you know how narrow the number of people who know who that is? Are? Like, nah, you're insane. Because once he got up, they'd be like, "Oh, that guy." From the fucking Adam Sandler movies. They would that's what they, exactly. know who Rob Schneider That's is. what they'd say. That guy from the fucking Adam Sandler movies. What's he doing here? That's all it takes. He got old. That, that's, that's all that's needed. Oh, I just disagree. I think he would be, I think it would go badly. I would not program him on a lineup. Firstly, I love asking me a question, me giving an answer and saying, I disagree. I do. Not <laughs> for you. Great. Not for you, but for me. Like, my response to that question is different. Do you not think the audience would love to see Rob Schneider appear out of nowhere on a New Zealand stage? It'd be amazing. If I was an audience member and Rob Schneider got up, I'd be like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> How can you say that after watching this? I would. This is completely different. Seeing him in a live context would be like one off, first of all, cannot stress that enough, and also not an entire show of him. But to see him do a drop in spot would be thrilling and novel. In the same way, watching a, an accident is thrilling and novel. Don't you think that there is a very different bar with which you treat live comedy shows and like a special that you watch on TV? Absolutely. That is 100% true. But like. So I think a lot of it's to do with that. Yeah. To be honest. I think some of it for me is like, I, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility. I assume if I'm putting together a show, that the audience will be safe. And based on the well, evidence put forward by Rob true. Schneider. <laughs> I don't think I could in good conscience program without being like, well, people are going to be fucking white-knuckling yeah. it through 80% of this set. 
Do you know what? That's actually a really good point. And I was more like thinking of the idea of Rob Schneider in, in spite of the fact that I've literally just watched his, his stand-up special twice in two days. And uh, yeah, if I did think about it for 40 more seconds and um, and remember the kind of material that would be expected at the show, yeah, I would have to have a big think about it. Because like, I, you know, I always feel we're kind of broaching ground like this, um, especially being uh, us, which is a pairing of two straight white cis dudes who do podcasts which is like a fucking parody of of a podcast but like essentially so much content of the show is rape culture like laundered for laughs or an attempt at laughs it's fucking crazy yeah like so many of the premises are um, women are insane and you shouldn't really listen to them and all men are bad but you should sort of forgive that fact and coupled with all of the like the jokes about him grabbing his mother-in-law and being and stuff, it's just like when you kind of take a step back and look at the whole thing, you're like, this absolutely stinks to high heaven and sucks. But then you kind of like the reprieves are the absurdity of the production. The fact that it's the little things. Like I noticed today what he's wearing on stage, which is a dark navy sweater and dark grey pants against a black curtain. What the fuck are you doing, man? Have one single thought about how this is going to look on camera. When you kind of look at it, he just looks like a face that a spotlight is hitting and two hands floating in space. The fact that he's got a trained classical pianist who appears halfway through the show because all he can muster is getting through 20 minutes before he knows that he needs to borrow from other art forms to emotionally buoy the audience to get through to, like, the 43-minute mark. And then, like, stacking on top of that, the fact that not only does he have this live pianist, I did not realise the first time I watched this that when he gets his daughter, legitimate bona fide pop star Al King, to join him on stage... There is a live fucking band which he does not acknowledge that are playing the song for them. And they are dressed to the nines. They are in tuxedos. We've got violinists, cellists, people who have taken time and energy and money to dedicate themselves to their instrument. And the the utility of that is a fucking Rob Schneider special, which contains like maybe three jokes in 44 minutes. It is absurd. The the endeavor is absurd. Your description of the reprieve has wound you up tremendously, which is the traditional role of a reprieve. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. I want us just quickly I uh, go back to the pianist who is Takaru, Ta- Takaru Saito from Japan. I want when I was watching it and list, like the piano sort of rages on and at certain points if you try to listen more to the piano score than Rob Schneider you can almost enjoy or find solace or meditation inside of the special. What is their creative collaboration like? How did they get put in touch with each other? Has either Rob Schneider listened to this guy play piano before or has Takaru listened to Rob Schneider do comedy (laughs) before? Does Rob Schneider have any creative input into the style of piano that is being played beneath his jokes? Like, what's the deal here? I'd love to know. So what are the clues that we have? What do we know about Rob Schneider? We know that he um, is uh, like sort of a practicing Buddhist. Like he's he's very into, into the practice of Buddhism. Um, and I think Buddhist meditation. And that kind of leads me to believe that maybe he does listen to some chill piano music. Maybe that's not completely out of the box. So maybe maybe this like popped up in his travels on Spotify, and he's like, I wonder if I could get that guy. I don't know. The guy, the, the person who you're hiring, I guess everyone everyone needs a job, but they have to be at a pretty interesting point in their career to... I'm just looking him up on Spotify now. I think... I think this is the thing about musicians, though, in a way, like as, as, especially, you know, people who aren't super famous can be super skilled and like even prolific, yeah, um, like almost virtuoso level without being that well known. Especially if I, I don't know, I just think that there's probably a lot of phenomenal piano players out there who who just aren't super well known outside of real piano enthusiasts. Yeah. I would maybe we should look at doing it, guy. Maybe we should hire some like really great musicians to just to score this podcast. Us doing a show, yeah, a show, a podcast, whatever. I yeah, look, I just I I just wonder, like, I just feel like he tagged this young, sort of promising, but probably not super established pianist, and was like, "I'm pretty famous. This is going on Netflix. I give you what do you reckon? Ten thousand US dollars." He's hemorrhaging money on getting yeah. the thing online in the first fucking place. I reckon a little less than that, to be honest. 
I, I think like the payment of musicians would be kind of less than we expect, but I reckon probably somewhere between five and ten. Okay. You'd yeah, do it, eh? That's what I reckon. If I could play the piano, I'd yeah. do it. Fuck. Ima- yeah, but- absolutely. Imagine, like, this is the, another that blows me away is because you, the way you summarized all of it and all these insane constituent parts that don't go together at all and just sort of paper over the fact that this is not a product, this thing had a fucking director. The special had someone who was not Rob Schneider who was in charge of like creating some sense of cohesion or product. His name is Tyler Spindle. And Give me dates on this dude. Well, he actually directed a, a comedy film that you've watched this year. What? Any any guesses at what it is? It's a Netflix released comedy film. It's a Happy Madison production. Oh, the 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 um uh I've forgotten what it's called. Uh, um, Tell me the, the Lauren Lapkus one yeah, with yeah. David Spade. The wrong Missy. What's it? Same the wrong di- Missy. Yeah. Same director. Does that make it's, any sense um, to it's you? It's interesting. Yeah, kind of. Because like, I think heading into lockdown, if there's any hope of any work, you're just like, yes, 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 yes. Because yes. you can see what's happening on the horizon. So like Rob reaching out to him, it, yeah, it doesn't shock me to hear. The the thing with the wrong Missy because I I reviewed that for a um a, a publication here in New Zealand and the movie like wasn't great it was just the fact that Lauren Lapkus is so phenomenal that that made it anything yeah and it was a pretty great watch but it was purely just because of Lauren Lapkus. Well, can I read you the self penned mini biography of Tyler Spindle from IMDb? Love to hear it. I'd love to hear you read it. Overview. Height, six foot two. What the fuck is that? Let us start with height. After graduating from Harvard University, Tyler Spindle moved to Los Angeles to pursue his childhood dream of performing stand-up comedy. Touring the country and hosting a weekly show at Hollywood's Laugh Factory nurtured a deeper understanding of comedy as an art form, eventually leading Tyler to a new and overarching passion for directing. What? Tyler's early foray into the field began with directing viral branded content and commercials for such major companies as Gillette, Macy's, Samsung, Nickelodeon, Del Taco and Nike to name a few From there he would transition into television directing episodes of The Jack and Triumph Show Nick Swartzen's Pretend Time Breaking In, Sing It, A Night of Too Many Stars as well as producing and directing sketches for over 350 episodes of Chelsea Lately Wow Tyler's film, his incl- film career has included directing the second unit of six studio Adam Sandler Happy Madison features and writing, producing, and directing the much acclaimed short film Love and Germophobia, which won awards from several film festivals. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's got a film on in the summer of 2017. Tyler co wrote and directed the Netflix original feature film Graduates, which will premiere this June on Netflix. The film was produced by Happy Madison and stars David Spade and Nat Faxon. Fuck, this is just this guy just sounds like he's in the Adam Sandler fucking mafia. It's like he's doing awesome. He's making so much stuff. God bless him. You love him. This is this is the other thing, man. It's like what you said yesterday, which is usually my um uh sort of battle cry on on overlooked and undercooked. You know what? Rob Schneider went and made this and he fucking they went and found a pianist in a band and they, they put it all together. Dude. They put on a show and they filmed it and they put it online. And like it's an inescapable uh, thing. That is good. That he did, one hundred percent. Like 
But oh. I guess that when you when you need to start referring to something's existence, like that's a pretty um, that's that's basement I mean, level. I d- of the thing is, if you like, if you work, if you it? click through these profiles long enough, you know, like I've now on his Instagram, this guy's only got a thousand. Oh, has it? A thousand and sixty-nine followers. Instagram's not great. This isn't Rob. He doesn't know how to use his main properly. This is Tyler Spindle. Yeah, I just went on it. Oh, I see. He's just got like the same super similar posts from the wrong Missy over and over again. Which fair play to him. He directed a film which was number one on Netflix briefly. So like, I'd I'd do that. Yeah. What are we doing? We're watching Rob Schneider's Netflix special exactly, over exactly, and over. Exactly. Exactly. The the fuck are we up to? You know. Admittedly, like you know, right now we're in lockdown, but I don't have a special, and I wasn't in lockdown for the first thirty-two years of my life. So I don't have a special I guess, fuck either. Me. Yeah, and fuck me too. I don't like what this um, project is doing to us, guy, because it's like we're shitting on um, the special so much, but then we're kind of putting ourselves lower than it because we don't have a special, and um, I can't think of anything more self-destructive. <laughs> Not, not everything is, uh, you know, not not the people who get specials aren't always the best comedians. Yeah, yeah, that's um demonstrably true. <laughs> hey, I didn't even realise the Olive Garden had a salad bar. What are, what are we what are we doing here? Is that one of the jokes in the special? That's usually where one Filipino person in the crowd goes woo, but not this oh, time. That- that is something that he left in. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, eh? That bit is crazy. Because, like, often, and, and this is kind of a, um, a standard bear of newer comedians when you kick off, it's like you'll have a joke generally which is designed to provoke outrage or it could just be recognition. And when that doesn't come, you haven't you haven't written an, an alternative where no one reacts to it. So then you've got to say what the reaction was supposed to be from the audience. But like I'd be tempted to say, as you kind of progress in your comedy career and become a better stand up, you you never ever ever write a joke that relies on a specific reaction from the well, audience. Also, it's right? not it's not there's no it's not a joke. It's literally <laughs> well, it's so true. It's literally just him saying, "I'm Filipino." And then ordinarily, I guess, some audience members who are also Filipino cheer. Yeah. And in this instance, they don't. And he says, normally, someone would cheer there. This time, they didn't. Okay, in the room, I understand that piece of decision making. I get it. You're just like (laughs) processing muscle memory. But you are in an edit suite. You don't need to leave (laughs) in this not funny, worthless observation that usually something different happens that is not funny or worthwhile that has not happened in this instance. Do you reckon anything's on the cutting room floor? Like, because it, it is possible that we keep going on about the runtime of, of comedy. Imagine if, imagine if this special was actually an hour and this is the cut down. Uh, I imagine. mean, who edited it? Did he? I reckon the director. How is his but wife not left got him? A separate editor. Now, this is probably what we need to talk about. So Patricia or Patricia, because they do say it both ways in the show that she stars in. Um, she's on stage in the special after being just denigrated in two different ways. There's the explicit way, which is Rob Schneider um, making so much fun at her expense, which is kind of like is what it is. 
But then it's there's a the very hacky of- trope of like you know male comedians. It's like yeah. you know the 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 most iconic and uh, forever one will be um, Rodney Dangerfield's "Take my wife, no seriously, take her." I've always I've never quite cracked it, but I always wanted to write a joke about that about like what the fuck was going on with comedians and their marriages in the eighties? Like, what was the deal? Why were they getting hitched? Who were these poor women? Like, what was going on? It was just um, it was a. Misogyny was uh, more somehow more rampant then than it remains today. There's um, the second way in which Rob Schneider is denigrating his wife so badly in this special is is just because you get access to so many of Rob Schneider's thoughts. So then you go, anyone intimately connected with this person kind of fucking sucks. Like anyone who's I, do you really know, like it is up it is it is Rob, upsetting. But that is like she executive produces both this and real Rob, and so it's sort of it's the you know it is it's proximity to to a bad thing is like you are also somewhat culpable for the bad thing. But then there's another layer, which is like, does love triumph all? Is this about like a supportive spouse who who loves Rob Schneider's core, his heart, who he is, and like supports him because? We kind of think that everyone who's super famous is super talented. And that's obviously not the case, but it's sort of an assumption we make. But sometimes you get afforded the platform and ability to put your work out there and you're just not that good. But for whatever reason, the doors have still been opened for you. And if you're the spouse of that person and you you love them and you want to support them and be there for them, then like, I don't know, is it your role to like red light something like this? that they want to do i don't know that question and more to be answered in the next episode of (laughs) the schneider special chronicles overlooked and undercooked emergency season may god help us all thank you for listening uh maybe we recommended rose matafeo's hbo max special uh on the previous episode, maybe as a palate cleanse, we could we could take the opportunity at the end to uh, recommend a piece of comedy at the conclusion. Oh, wonderful! What do you think? Have you have you got have you got another one? Well, I, if you haven't seen the wrong Missy, honestly, it's kind of worth watching just because Lauren Lapkus is so good. There's a couple of dicey bits in it, but um, on the whole, it's a fun watch. And if you if you don't feel like watching the wrong Missy uh, and you haven't already, might I recommend watching um, Ronnie Ching's? Netflix special. I actually can't remember the title of the special, but that guy's a fucking crusher. It's one of the funniest specials on Netflix right now, in my honest opinion. Hold on. Let me get the name of the special. It would be criminal for us to not just take two seconds. Uh, Asian Comedian Destroys America. That's the one. It's that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, guy. Well, I sort of do apologize for how I'm treating you, but in some ways I don't at all because you initiated this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm a piece of shit. Fuck you. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah.